in association with the Agri Health Network, it's time for That Farm Life podcast, Planting Hope, Harvesting Strength. On That Farm Life, we talk about that life that is that of a farmer and their family. It's about the day-to-day grind, the good times, the tough times, and everything in between, because farming is more than a job, it's a way of life. And we're here to offer opportunities to help you deal with the stress and strains of farm life through faith, family, and community with other farmers. Now, here's your host, a farmer, a former agri-business owner, and also the pastor of a Southern Baptist church in Arkansas, Archie Mason. Well, hey, folks, welcome to another episode of That Farm Life Podcast. My name is Archie Mason, your host, and thank you for taking the time today to join us here on the podcast. Now, some of you are joining us for the first time. I've mentioned this uh, in some of our previous podcasts. We have listeners in 48 states and 43 countries, and really, honestly, that just blows my mind. So if you're a brand-new listener, you may not know who we are, where we come from, what we're about, and uh, you can check us out, agrihealth.net. We've got a lot of resources there. We're trying to do a better job of keeping that website Full of new content and maybe new available resources. Here at AgriHealth, we're all about helping bring awareness in the ag sector out there regarding the stress and strains of life. And so if you're a row crop farmer or a rancher, whether you're dealing with livestock or you're growing corn or soybeans or barley or wheat or oats or whatever it may be, uh, there are the stress and strains that come with that, raising crop or raising livestock. And one of the strains that we have been discussing in the previous weeks were inputs, and so we've talked about that. But also, uh, what we have not discussed is really equipment. We know that, and uh, whether whatever you're doing, whether you're a rancher and you got small equipment or a large row crop farmer, we've had a lot of uh, supply chain issues, things that were outside of our control. And so today, that's going to be the subject of our discussion. As I am visiting with uh, Lance Polk, he's a store manager at Heartland. Uh, Equipment, KSIH, and uh, Lance, we're glad that you're with us today. Thank you for being here. Yeah, glad to be here, Archie. Tell us about yourself and your family. Okay, yeah, I've been married for 26 years, have two kids, have a daughter that's in college at ASU, and then I have a son, 17, that's at Brooklyn High School. You and Aaron have been married for how many years? 26. 26 years. Yeah. About time flies when we're having fun, doesn't it? That's right. Exactly. (laughs) Tell us a little bit of your history, kind of, too, your your education background, kind of stuff. And then how did you get involved in equipment? Kind of walk us through that. I mean, you're working for Case IH. How, How did that happen? Yeah. So when I graduated college from ASU, this was in 95. I actually had about three job offers. I was looking for jobs while I was still a senior. And one of them came up and I interviewed for um, Heartland Equipment, the Case H dealership actually in Wynn at the time. And so I grew up on a cattle farm, loved cattle. And then when I was in college, I put myself through college running dozers and backhoes. So I had a knowledge of tractors, construction equipment. So when the opportunity came to put my college degree into a business that was still dealing with farm equipment, construction equipment that I grew up on and loved, and I jumped on that opportunity. So how many years? How many years have you been with Heartland Equipment? I've uh, been with Heartland for 15 years. I know that Case IH has a, they have a large construction group equipment. Tell us a little bit uh, how Case IH kind of breaks all that up, construction, uh, row crop, but really interesting in construction. How big is that globally or nationally? Yeah, globally, 
there are a lot of big construction dealers, equipment dealers, and manufacturers worldwide. Um, so in the in the ag world, Case would be second, but when you get to the construction, uh, they're probably five to ten percent of the construction market worldwide. Okay, uh, we see a lot more Case locally and in the United States, probably than worldwide. Okay. And construction. So we're talking about big excavators, uh, backhoes, mini X's. Yeah. So they're set up where a lot of the, most of your construction dealers are separate from the ag dealers, but there are a few that are dual dealerships. We just happen to be dual dealerships where we have the construction and the ag. Um, A lot of our construction, we actually sell to the farmers. Most of our backhoes, excavators, we actually sell to the farmers. Yeah, I would, you know, I would just say in Northeast Arkansas, the backhoes, the the tracks, the big excavators, many, many X's. I, I see, I don't know how it is in where most parts of the country, man, we have a lot of farmers who have all types of equipment. They're always, a, and I think a lot of it's Lance because we've gotten in these water recovery systems and stuff that are taking place on these farms and uh, they're always swabbing out ditches. Uh, and then also too, I know I see a lot of Case IH equipment that, uh, an independent operator has that he's running out there. You know, you call somebody and it's X amount of money for swab the clean the ditch out or do this or do that. So, hey, let me ask you this too. So, we've had some supply chain issues. Okay, so when did that for you guys and with Case IH? When did y'all first begin to see? that, hey, we, we got stuff ordered that's not getting here or stuff like that. When when did y'all begin to realize it? We may have a problem looming on the horizon. Yeah, so it started like last year for sure. We could see it. This year, we're really getting hit hard with it where we're really seeing the delays, equipment not coming in like it should be, not being able to order. And I really don't see it getting better next year. Actually, almost it appears it could get worse next year than it is this year. Hey, well, let's talk about that because that's that's pretty interesting. I guess we call it kind of a rubber band effect in some way. Why do you think, hey, and look, we'll tell our audience out there, neither one of us are really, <laughs> we can all give our opinion, but we're probably not an expert, um, you know, predicting the future. But why, why would you say you think that it may even be worse uh, in the farming season next year than it is this year? Seems like just because it progressively gets worse than better, even though it seems like, you know, people are back to work and seems like everything's back to normal. Of course, worldwide, I guess it is not. There's still parts of the country that shut down. And with all manufacturers, vehicles, uh, you know, farm and construction equipment, it's all the same. Components come from all over the world. So a lot of things are out of our control. So another part of the world can have problems with components not coming in to the United States that affects everything. Oh, yeah. I think you're exactly right, especially with uh, the tech stuff. Hey, in just a moment, don't let me forget about this. I do want to talk to you about the tech kind of end of Case IH. Hey, where are most of the factories for Case IH? I mean, I'm asking questions because I don't know. But do y'all have one in the U.S. or? Yeah, so the like our large tractors are in Racine, Wisconsin. Uh, The big four-wheel drives are in um, Fargo, North Dakota, and the combines are in Grand Islands, Nebraska. So, you know, the main core products are still in the United States, but still a lot of those components come from overseas. And then, of course, they get assembled over in the United States. Some of the smaller tractors, uh, they're manufactured overseas in Europe and different countries. Well, yeah, I know that's even if you were, you know, John Deere, depending on the 
model number. It can be Germany or it can be anywhere. So, yeah, I think most probably all the equipment guys out there know that they're made in different parts, too. Another question to this, what about tires, tractor tires? What's probably the hardest type of a maintenance part or something that's hard to get right now for a tractor? Yeah, tires are definitely, in fact, we've got some combines that were sitting up at the factory completed, but they didn't have the tires to put on them to ship them. And Mm. uh, even tried to go to local dealers, uh, tire dealers locally, and, you know, even a couple of states away trying to get tires for these combines. Of course, they're specific size tires, but they're just not available. So, you know, they can't ship the combine. We've actually had to change tire sizes on some of the combines just to get them to ship. Oh, wow. Yeah, tire, tires are a big issue uh, with it, with everything. As far as the tech stuff, okay, so when I say tech, man, uh, the global positioning satellites, I guess, you know, after the Gulf War in the 90s, all that stuff got released to the public somewhat, and then it's just grown since then. Mm-hmm. Auto steer on tractors. Uh, how have you seen, in your 15 years at Heartland, how have you seen the the tech stuff really progressed. What's some of the major, <laughs> major changes you've seen in your time there? Yeah, of course, the auto guidance, you know, basically setting a tractor up where it goes down the road by itself. You know, you're not even touching the steering wheel and you're talking accuracy, sub-inch accuracy. You know, it's probably the biggest that I've seen, you know, in the 15 years, uh, oh, for sure. Yeah. And just some of the comfort features of, you know, just, you know, now they got Bluetooth radios and, you know, automatic air conditioning and all those things that we have in our trucks. Um, the CVT transmission is a, another one that's come out. It's a pretty nice option on tractors today. You just, you set whatever speed you want. And then the uh, load of the engine matches what speed and what you're pulling. So you don't just burn in excess fuel. You know, in the old days, we all had the habit of just Throwing the throttle wide open and letting her go, you know. So yeah. <laughs> hey, as diesel's as high as high as it is now, we need to. You know, uh, fuel efficiency <laughs> is a big deal, especially you know number of acres and hours you put on the tractor. Fuel efficiency with the cost is a big deal. So. Oh yeah, I mean you can save a lot of money. I mean that's unbelievable. Hey, you said the kind of the creature. I call it the creature comforts. You know, I've noticed that. Even on some of those uh, small, the small tractors, I mean, we're not on any, I'm not on anything that's real large unless I'm just riding with a friend or something. But uh, man, Bluetooth, a lot of these tractors now are coming with all of those comforts. And uh, hey, I want you to know, I like it. I guess it's because I'm older. Okay, what does the future hold tech-wise? What do you think we're going to see in the next decade regarding guidance, auto kind of guidance, auto steer, whatever? What do you think we're going to see? Yeah, so the technology is out there for the, you know, basically the automatic tractor, the driverless tractor. Um, that technology is there and they're using it. It just hasn't been, you know, put into production yet. So obviously we know that's going to be coming. Um, now past that, you know, I'm not sure. Of course, the combines now have the automatic automation on it where it, it sets itself so that your grain loss is minimized. As you're going through the field, it can automatically adjust to prevent any kind of crop loss. so And so, know, again, it's that efficiency. So, hey, the old days of getting out, walking by in a combine and maybe trying to see how much grain you're losing, that's kind of over and, and yeah. the newer models, I guess. Hey, you're talking about those auto uh, autonomous tractors or whatever they're called. I was at the National Cattlemen's Association and they had a trailer there. 
And they had, I saw a guy in there on a simulator. I thought he's playing a game because I could see this huge front end loader, huge. And he was at a, uh, uh, somewhere they were feeding out cattle. And I, he was driving this thing around. And I thought, what's he doing playing a video game? The woman said, no, this was in Houston. Said he's driving this big front end loader out in Dakota, North Dakota, South Dakota, somewhere. I said, no, he's not. They said, yeah, he is. And they said, he's got a bobcat sitting over here waiting. He can switch over to that one. I said, they don't have anybody in them? He said, no. I said, well, you better put somebody out there. So if he runs over something, they, they just laugh. They said, well, you can shut it down. you know. And I thought, are we really coming to that point where this equipment, you're not going to have anybody on it? And the answer to that is yes. That, does that just really just blow your mind? Yeah, that just seems crazy that a truck can be out there in the field by itself, you know, running up down the roads and planting yeah. and doing all the things that we do. <laughs> you know, we've had those situations where it is now that a lot of our row crop farmers have to work these long hours that, you know, they've fallen asleep because of the auto steer and they don't hear it dinging or whatever. And sometimes you kind of jump to turn row. Uh, every now and then you'll you hear that story. So you would say Case IH is about efficiency. I mean, they're about minimizing loss, everything you can. I mean, is that kind That's of their great. strategy? Yep. Okay. Hey, so have you dealt just personally being a manager and you've been there a long time? Has it, has it been more stressful in the last couple of years than it ever has? I mean, how would you evaluate your own personal kind of stress level with some of the issues? As, to, as today, it's not as stressful as even sometimes in the past where we've had too much inventory. It's probably more stressful than when you have too little inventory. But the stress today is having to plan out so far with, uh, you know, if you order a new tractor and it takes a year to come in, so many things change in a year. It's hard to manage inventory and manage a business when, you know, the tractors are so far out. And that's yeah. even with the farmers, too. It's hard for them to purchase a piece of equipment a year from now when they hadn't even got this crop planted yet. So yeah. I think for us and the farmers, that's the biggest challenge and stress level today is having to plan out so far when there's so many unknowns in between. Yeah, because it's just hard sometimes to determine that plan because you don't know what to do. Let me ask you this. How have you seen the prices of equipment? Have you seen in the yeah, past so I mean, year? Yeah, let's talk yeah, about that we, a little bit. You know, we've had several price increases just in the last, you know, what, year and a half to two years. We've probably had three or four price increases, just like everything in the world. Yeah. Um, and it just seems like it just keeps going up. Oh, yeah. I keep saying we're not an expert in this, but what's your opinion? What's your thoughts about the pricing in the future? Uh, you know, you would think surely as much as it has gone up, it can't just continue to keep going up. You'd think it'd have to stabilize here fairly soon. Yeah. You know, especially with the input input costs going up, you know, commodity prices are still high. So that helps a lot. But if there's any fluctuation in commodities going down or if the yields are not you know, excellent this year, then that that yeah. can be an issue that uh, would definitely stop the buying for sure. Oh, yeah. You said, you know, when you were going to school, you ran some construction equipment stuff, just trying to help put yourself through school and that. So you do see both sides, but you've been in the equipment business for, you know, all these years now, 15 years or so uh, with Heartland specifically. 
what would be your advice to really have a good relationship with one another uh, in this in this coming year? How would you encourage them uh, to do business? You know, I guess just for all of us to understand, we're all in this boat together. You know, it's we can't control the shortages. We can't control the price increases. And, you know, it affects us just as much as it affects them. So it's a it's a mutual challenge that us and the farmers and our customers are actually going through. So, yeah, so I, I think that's the, the biggest thing. Yeah. So you really just say, hey, we got, we got to work through this together. We're doing yep. everything we can. You know, and and I think that's a good word out there for everyone who's involved in the industry is to know that really, you know, we need each other through this time. We need to depend on each other and uh, we need to work with each other in this. I know uh, many farmers, like you said, and you guys have to, they're having to plan further in advance than ever before with materials, inputs, you know, uh, most folks around the country in the planning season, if it's, you know, some have too much rain and some don't have any rain, but Everybody's in that. So just that planning uh, in the future. And so I guess the word would be, hey, we just got to work together uh, with that. Hey, other question here, too, Lance. How do you I mean, you're running a business and involved here, raising a family. And how do you deal with with stress? How do you deal with uh, the discouragement that maybe this uh, this whole world throws at you? Well, I mean, I guess I'm. <clears throat> Stress doesn't bother me like it does bother somebody. Like a lot of folks, I've been able to handle it pretty good. I think another thing is I've, I've been in the business long enough that I've seen lots of ups and downs. And even though it can look pretty bleak, it always seems like it works out okay. Um, so just a lot of past experience helps me not to stress too bad about current situations. Uh, you know, of course, having a stable family, with my wife and kids, you know, that's always a great thing. And that always, you know, reduces stress levels. Um, oh, yeah. Hey, do you think sometimes, hey, I know this is a personal question regarding your family, but do you take the work home with you? Have you tried to be good about, you know, not taking it home with you, you know, when you go in and something's not going well? How do you? You know, how, what's kind of what's your strategy at home about that? Yeah, stuff I goes can, on the workplace. I can separate it pretty good, but. That doesn't mean uh, in the evenings I don't think about stuff I need to do tomorrow or stuff that happened today or especially, you know, if we're just sitting there, you know, chilling out, not doing anything. It doesn't mean things aren't running through my mind or I'm not thinking about what I need to do tomorrow or what we need to do in the future. But, I, you know, I like that. Um, yeah. That's just kind of how I, I'm geared, I guess. So that doesn't really bother me. I think if you ask my wife, she doesn't. I don't take it out. Oh, family good. or anything, pretty, pretty low key at the house. So. Well, I think she may line you out if you took it out on her anyway. That's so. right. <laughs> That's just funny to me. So, uh, but yeah, uh, well, man, I tell you what, Lance, man, the Lord has really blessed you guys with a, you know, a great family, and it's 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 always been good seeing your kids grow up, and uh, and you know, and too, man, just you work there uh, at the uh, at the store. Now, hey, tell us about you guys got several locations so where, where are y'all located at i know it's mainly here in arkansas i assume but tell us yeah so we have five locations here in jonesboro where i'm at uh we also have a location in mark tree and wiener and then if you go down south a little bit win and west memphis okay uh, is our five locations hey if someone is interested and in, and like i said there's folks 
uh, on the podcast and all around the world. But somebody's interested in Case IH, uh, whether it's in the U.S. or globally, how do they get in touch? I mean, what's a website or how do they do that? Yeah, you know, specifically if you just want to look up your local dealer, you know, you can just say case local Case IH dealer. It's probably going to pull them up. Um, you know, specifically our, you know, we're usatractor.net. And, you know, over the years we've been in business, we have sold tractors and shipped them all over the United States. We've even shipped some out of the country. So, um, you know, a lot of that's really expanded when the Internet came on oh, yeah. years ago. So you yeah. mean y'all have had some international sales uh, just out we of have. your? Oh, wow. Yeah. That's interesting. I don't I guess I realized yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So not a lot, but we have had a few. In the past. Yeah. Well, hey, man, that's good, you know, yeah. and uh, well, that is uh, awesome. Hey, Lance, I was going to say, man, thanks for your time today. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, glad to, glad to visit with you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I've enjoyed it. Well, hey, all the folks out there listening to the podcast, you know, some things that, uh, that Lance has shared and some I've just gathered from uh, hearing from him is, you know, the big key factor is whether you are you know, buying your uh, inputs from a, uh, a local co-op or other dealership of some sort, or you're buying equipment, however you're doing that, just remember that we are all in this together. It is a, if I can say it like this, uh, kind of a stressful year with shortages, issues as far as uh, inputs, but I know we do have, you know, higher commodity prices than we've had before. So just remember, we're all in it together. And so whether uh, you're working at the grain elevator or whether you're out in the field, whatever it may be, just remember to have each other's best interests at heart and to strive together uh, for the common good. And so as uh, growers here in our area, in the U.S., around the world, uh, that we uh, do this. You know, you who do grow crops and who provide animals uh, to the population, you're the lifeblood of this world. You are very valued and you feed the world. And so I want to tell you, I appreciate all you do. And uh, thank you for serving and how uh, that you serve out there for all of you involved in the uh, ag industry. Hey, if you'd like to reach out to us, you want some more information, uh, please email us at info at agrihealth.net. We'll be happy to uh, answer any questions you have. Hey, and two, you know, we always want to provide a safe zone where you can talk about things sometimes that are not talked about. You may say, hey, Arch, we got something happening that's kind of private, needs some help. You can be in another state or wherever. We, we've got some resources, people available uh, all around our country. So uh, you just reach out to us at info at agrihealth.net and we will get you in touch to the right folks. Hey, plan to be back here next week for another podcast. I hope that you will join us. Until then, I encourage you to keep farming and keep the faith. We'll see you later. You've been listening to That Farm Life Podcast, planting hope, harvesting strength with your host, Archie Mason. That Farm Life Podcast is a creation of the Agri-Health Network in conjunction with Grounded Faith Ministries, where we offer opportunities to help you deal with the stress and strains of farm life through faith, family, and community with other farmers. You can learn more about who we are and what we do on our website at agrihealth.net. That's agrihealth, one word, dot net. Thanks for listening, and until next week, keep the faith. Keep the faith.